Welcome to the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast, the podcast that will help you find solutions for your weight concerns that will last a lifetime. Together, for you. All right, welcome to episode 19 of the Weight Solutions for Physicians podcast. I'm your host, Siobhan Key. Welcome back, and I hope you're having a fantastic day. I, I just wanted to mention at the front of this episode that next episode is my 20th episode. And for that one, I wanted to do a question and answer episode. So what I would like, if you have questions that you wonder about when you listen to this podcast, send them to me at info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. And for next week's podcast, I will go through all the questions and answer them on air on that episode. So again, the email to send questions to is info at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca. I can't wait to see what questions you guys send me. Okay, so a bit of a funny story. I was about halfway through recording this episode and I just couldn't figure out my microphone. So when you do podcasts, there's a whole other set of skills you need to learn about mics and sound and all that stuff. And my sound was just echoey, couldn't figure it out. All the settings on the computer looked good. Uh, So I was doing all sorts of weird stuff, fiddling with acoustic panels, putting some blankets around me, trying to get rid of the echo. And then halfway through recording this episode, I noticed my mic's just not plugged in. So I am now restarting it because that little bit of perfectionist in me really doesn't like echo in the audio. And so we'll go round two. Life lesson from that is before you start hanging blankets around you, look to see if your equipment is plugged in. Today's episode, we are going to talk about sugar. We're going to talk about the reasons why sugar is generally not a good idea when you're trying to lose weight or trying to be healthy and look at it from a perspective beyond just the calories that sugar offers and the kind of traditional approach of why we shouldn't eat sugar and look at more a deeper understanding of the impact sugar has on your body and your metabolism and how it can impact your efforts at weight loss. Before we get going, I just wanted to remind you to make sure you hit the subscribe button for the podcast so that you get all the new episodes. And if you could take the time to go over to iTunes and leave a review, I would really appreciate it. It helps the podcasts get found, particularly newer ones like mine. All right. Let's talk about sugar. So I think the first thing to talk about when we're discussing sugar is that it's everywhere. So the estimations are approximately 80% of packaged food has added sugar to it. And these can be foods that you wouldn't necessarily think would have added sugar. uh, Foods that wouldn't necessarily be something you would identify as sweet, uh, but they put the sugar in to improve flavor profile. And particularly lower fat uh, packaged foods often have added sugar to kind of replace the flavor that the fat used to bring. Sometimes the amount of added sugar is actually really remarkable. So something like a low fat fruit flavored yogurt can have up to seven teaspoons of sugar added per cup. Uh, That's a lot. That's similar to some of the you know, a smaller sweetened coffee drink that you would think isn't healthy. And yet we perceive the yogurt to be healthy. And we've really been taught that the yogurt is healthy through the low fat 80s and 90s. But 
once we talk more through this episode about the impacts of the sugar, I hope that you'll come to understand that that fruit-flavored low-fat yogurt is not a health food. Maybe it's a dessert, uh, but it's not a particularly good one. Uh, I think you could probably find more enjoyment in other desserts if you wanted to have sugar rather than a low-fat, sugar-sweetened yogurt. And the thing that really kind of gets my goat or bothers me with that particular food is the ones that are marketed to kids, the um, yogurt tubes and things like that that are made to be easy portable snacks for school. Those are really high in sugar. They're really sweet if you ever taste them. And so essentially we're sending something that we think is healthy for our kids and yet just loading them with sugar uh, through the day with these healthy snacks. Now, if some of this stuff is new to you, and as a physician, you kind of feel, oh, I should have known this, don't feel that way. All of this wasn't taught in medical school. It's not something that is really openly discussed in health circles. I think it is getting better, but it's new to a lot of people. And I think all of us that have been following a lower carb approach to eating for a while have gone through periods where we've had eye-opening realizations about the food that we previously thought was healthy. I know I have like the sugar-sweetened yogurt tubes. I used to get them for my kids thinking they're a fairly reasonable snack or like goldfish crackers when my kids were little. And essentially all of that is just really processed sugars and highly refined carbohydrates. And I do think it's worthwhile mentioning when we're talking about sugar in this episode, really you could make almost all the same statements about highly processed carbohydrates. So sugar is the sweet stuff, but when you're eating highly processed carbohydrates, really in your body, they behave very similarly. So most of what we're talking about, I generally just equate sugar and highly processed carbohydrates in one big lump, even if those processed carbohydrates are not sweetened or sugary per se. So the other thing to know about sugar in our food system is just that it's sneaky. So there's about, I think it's 60 or so um, different names that can be used for added sugar. And the food companies purposely choose ones that are a little harder to recognize. They're often, you know, if you're choosing a natural type packaged food, often the sugar types that are in there are labeled in a way that make them seem like they're probably healthier than sugar or a more natural form of sugar. And that's not necessarily true. Like when you're eating it, added sugar is added sugar. Whether that sugar comes from table sugar or comes from a fruit concentrate that a food company's made to act like sugar, it doesn't really matter. And so I think if you're trying to eat a lower sugar diet, it really takes intentional effort. So if you just say, I'm not going to eat sugar and you focus only on the things that are very obviously have sugar like baked goods and cookies and chocolate and stuff like that, you're going to miss a lot of sugar and you'll still be getting a fair bit of sugar in your diet. You really need to make the effort of reading labels, learning the different names that can be used for added sugar. Or in Canada, on the nutritional label, there is a line for sugar And that's natural occurring and added sugars, but it still gives you a little bit of information about what's in that particular product. 
So one of the biggest reasons why I think you should avoid sugar if you're trying to lose weight is what it does to your appetite. So if you're eating sugar or highly processed carbohydrates, those foods drive your appetite. So eating sugary foods will make you want more sugary foods. And it'll make you want more carbohydrates too. So it's not, does I don't think it's just, you know, if I have sugar, my brain wants more sugar. It's my brain wants all the carbohydrates. And then that makes it harder for me to stay on my path and stick to my plan. Whereas if I just don't eat the sugar, my brain doesn't really look for it. And I have far less hunger, far less cravings, and it's just so much simpler to stick to my plan. And I've mentioned this before, but before I switched to a lower carb way of eating, there were things about how my appetite behaved and how my brain thought about food that I thought were just me and just kind of faults in myself that I was going to have to deal with. But so much of that stuff turns out to be not me as an individual, but what certain foods do to me. So what I'm eating can totally change how I think about food, how much I think about food, how easy it is or um, to give into temptation or how much of a struggle it feels to stick to my plan. And if you haven't tried cutting out sugar and you're struggling with sticking to an eating plan, I'd really encourage you to just do it as a trial, do it as a science experiment. Cut out sugar for two weeks and see how you feel about food and what your appetite's like at the end of it. The reason why we crave sugar and why when we eat it, our brains kind of light up and like it and why sugary or processed carbohydrate foods are often the foods that people go to for comfort is the effect of sugar on your brain. So when you eat highly processed carbohydrates or sugar, it increases dopamine in your brain. Dopamine is your pleasure hormones and um, evolutionarily our brains are programmed to look for things that increase our dopamine levels so if you think of it from a perspective of back when we we're hunter gatherers if foods increased our dopamine levels there were probably foods that would help us survive so they're generally um, energy rich foods and that was fine back then that helped us survive the problem is is our brains have not caught up to our modern society and our modern environment And so our brain is still thinking that those foods help our survival, but it doesn't realize that those foods are pretty much available less than a half block from us at any point in North America and are available in quantities far beyond what we would need for survival very easily. And the the foods have been modified to activate your dopamine system far more than what a natural food would. So food companies are a big money business and they do science. I don't know if that's actually a term. They, they do research on uh, how to make foods more palatable, meaning taste better, how to make it so that people want more, how to make it so you keep eating them. You know, the, the slogan, you can't eat just one. It's totally true in that it's the food is engineered to be that way and that's often through use of sugar or processed carbohydrates with some fat because of the impact that has on our brain so if you're craving sugar again I would let go of any sort of personal fault or 
labels you put on yourself about that, just look at it from a neurobiological standpoint that it makes sense that you crave sugar. And you just have to work on changing some of the patterns and changing how you think about it to retrain your brain uh, so that it's not looking to sugar for survival, as you know that survival is not dependent on whether or not you eat sugar. It can look other places to get the comfort and get the survival that you need. You just have to retrain your brain about it. And some of the stuff we've talked about on earlier podcast episodes will help you with that. And we'll keep talking about that sort of stuff in future episodes as well. The second important part about eating sugar, if you're trying to lose weight, is what it does to your metabolism. So ideally, when you're trying to lose weight, you want to burn your own body's fat stores. In order to do that, you ideally want to be burning fat as fuel. If you're eating a lot of sugar or a lot of carbohydrates, your insulin levels are higher because their insulin goes up to help you manage the extra sugar that you take in. And when your insulin levels are higher, you need to burn sugar as fuel. So when you have sugar in your body, your body needs to burn it as fuel before it ever looks to your fat stores. When your insulin levels are higher, it also blocks lipolysis, which is breaking down fat tissue to burn as fuel. So a lot of sugar, and sometimes I say a lot, but sometimes for some people, it's not a lot. It's just some sugar that's more than what their body can handle, puts them into a sugar burning state. If you cut out the sugar and you cut out the carbohydrates, particularly the processed highly refined carbohydrates, your body can more easily shift into a fat burning state, which is where you want it to be if you're trying to lose weight. When you're in a fat burning state too, generally appetite is more stable because your body's got lots of fuel sources around. It It's not dependent on sugar, which your blood sugar levels fluctuate between meals, which then can trigger hunger. If you're burning fat, as fuel mainly, your blood sugar levels don't fluctuate in the same way. And generally for most people, hunger is more stable. And then I think the third reason why it's important to avoid sugar or really limit it is its impact on our health. So I remember this was getting to be quite a few years ago. I was at an obesity medicine association conference and Dr. Robert Lustig was talking uh, as a keynote address and he was doing his talk about sugar, which you can find on YouTube. And one of the biggest points that hit home to me was that he says, where we are now with the amount of research of harms of sugar is where we were with the harms of smoking. So there's enough evidence to say that sugar is as harmful as choosing to smoke. And yet it's if we look at it from a like government perspective, it's not limited any way. It's everywhere. Our kids get tons of it. Uh, and that's a concern health-wise. And so w- when we talk about sugar for health, I think it is important to look at the two, at different types of sugar. So what we know is that glucose raises your blood sugar, but fructose uh seems to have worse health consequences. So fructose and glucose, two monosaccharides, are handled differently in your body. Uh, Glucose can get used by your tissues in the form of blood sugar. Fructose doesn't directly get used by your tissues. It has to be processed by your liver. 
and your liver can process it into glucose or glycogen, which are storage forms of sugar. But if you're eating a lot of sugar and processed carbohydrates, you're, sometimes that system is overwhelmed. And so your liver processes the fructose into triglycerides. And that's where you can start to have issues. So if you start, don't have a place to store triglycerides, start putting them into your liver, you can start getting non-alcoholic fatty liver disease, which we're seeing a ton of these days. And not necessarily in people who are overweight. Uh, it's a pretty common diagnosis I find in my own practice when we do an ultrasound or getting more common when you do blood work and people have mildly elevated LFTs. This increase in the triglyceride production and storing it in places like your liver also seems to increase insulin resistance. And so if we go back to what I was talking about, about impacts of insulin, if you're more insulin resistant, your body produces more insulin to overcome that resistance. And then you end up more on that side of um, sugar burning rather than fat burning. A lot of eating a lower carbohydrate approach is to try to lower your insulin levels to allow you to be more of a fat burner or have fat adaptation. And then if the insulin resistance pro uh, progresses, that's when we end up in type 2 diabetes. So when the insulin re resistance reaches a level that the pancreas can't keep up with the amount of insulin that it needs to produce to overcome it, blood sugars start to rise, and that's when you cross the line into type 2 diabetes. But that type 2 diabetes probably started actually quite some time ago with early insulin resistance. And if you can modify things in your diet so that that insulin resistance never becomes an issue or you reverse it with how you eat, then ideally or hopefully you never end up having to deal with type 2 diabetes. If you are at the point where you have type 2 diabetes, then eating any added sugars or um, foods that have simple carbohydrates like the processed carbohydrates will increase your blood sugar and will make it harder to control your diabetes. And that's where eating a lower carbohydrate approach can be a therapeutic tool for diabetes in that eating fewer foods that produce blood sugar means there's less blood sugar for us to manage as physicians. So the traditional treatment of diabetes approach is to have diabetics eat a certain amount of carbohydrates at each meal, which then increases the blood sugars, even if they're whole wheat carbohydrates. And then we as physicians add on more and more medications and keep adding things to bring the blood sugars back to normal. But if you just take the approach of choosing to not eat the foods that produce blood sugar, then we don't have to keep adding in more and more medications to manage the blood sugar that's created from the diet. And that's where people are doing research like the Verda group about uh, reversing type 2 diabetes using a lower carbohydrate or ketogenic diet. Uh, that's quite interesting. And just this past week, the American Diabetes Association came out with a consensus guideline that officially talks about lower carbohydrate diets as a treatment option for type 2 diabetes, particularly when the goal is to reduce medications. Along that line, though, if you are listening and you're diabetic on medications, suddenly changing your diet and cutting out carbohydrates and sugar can drop your blood sugars quite quickly and quite substantially. And so if you are on medications and you're thinking about doing this, you have to talk to your doctor and make a plan about what you're going to do with your medications before you change anything with 
eating. Sometimes we have to decrease insulin or decrease medications actually quite quickly when people start making change. And if, it, if we don't, then the risk is low blood sugars, which are quite dangerous in the short term. Okay, so to summarize, basically, sugar is everywhere. If you don't look for it, you're probably going to get some in your diet that you're not aware of. So read labels and know that the food companies and the labeling can be sneaky and it's kind of meant to be that way. So you just have to uh, work on educating yourself. Know that when you eat sugar or highly processed carbohydrates, this will impact your appetite and it will impact your cravings. When you cut them out, generally your appetite and your cravings do settle after a short period of withdrawal. And then know that if you're choosing to eat sugar or a lot of processed carbohydrates or even higher whole food carbohydrates, this does impact your metabolism and it changes what fuels your body can use. And so if your goal is weight loss, I suggest eating uh, in a way that lets your insulin levels naturally be lower and lets you be fat adapted where your body can use fat as your main source of fuel. And I think it is important just to mention that doesn't necessarily have to be ketogenic. You can like you can do ketogenic if that's what you want, but you can also get fat adapted when you're not on a full ketogenic diet if you're just eating a lower carbohydrate diet. And then just be aware of the health impacts when you do choose to eat sugar or have something with fructose in it. You need to just be aware that th that is having impacts on your health and decide whether it's worth it or not. And I think I didn't mention it earlier, but table sugar, which is sucrose, has glucose and fructose in it. So if you think about it, most of the added sugar that we're getting has fructose in some form and so probably has those health implications that we talked about uh, for fructose. So give it a try. If you haven't tried cutting sugar out, just give yourself, like I said, two weeks. Say, I'm just going to go cold turkey on sugar for two weeks and see how I feel. And likely that's going to bring up some emotions, some like resistance. And if it does, work through it. Listen to some of my earlier episodes about working on your thoughts and uh, things like that to process what sugar is doing for you so that you can find an alternative option on the other side. If you just cut out the sugar and you don't process any of the stuff that comes up, probably there's going to become a stressful day in your life and the only answer to deal with it will end up being sugar and you'll go back to eating sugar. So you need to cut it out, let your appetite settle, but then also work on why you're eating the sugar in the first place and what role it was playing for you. And like I said, go back to previous episodes because there's lots of stuff and I'll keep doing more content about how to deal with the feelings and the emotions without eating. If this feels overwhelming to you to do on your own, then you might be a good person to think about my private coaching program. So I offer private coaching for physicians, which focuses not only on what to eat, but we do a lot of work on the why you eat in the first place and how do you modify emotional eating or binge eating and how do you find solutions that are actually going to last you long term. So not just about just changing what you're eating for a short term diet to lose weight, but really figuring out why the issue is there in the first place and what an acceptable solution is that will help you maintain for the long term. If this sounds good to you, I still have one spot left for coaching starting in May. 
And so just go over to my website on the work with me page at weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca work with me page and schedule an introductory coaching session, which is free, no obligation. And we'll just talk about what your issues are and where I might be able to help you. All right. Have a fantastic week, guys. Thank you so much for listening. Bye. And now for a quick disclaimer, this podcast contains general education information on weight loss for physicians. I'm not providing medical advice and listening to this podcast does not create a physician-patient relationship. This podcast does not replace the need for consultation with a licensed professional and no information should be relied upon unless you have obtained specific advice or treatment from myself or another physician. Please review the terms and conditions located at www.weightsolutionsforphysicians.ca before continuing.